Man, it's good to be here. Uh, welcome to Whitewater. This is a place you can belong before you believe. Um, it's so good to see friends, uh, people I consider family, and new faces. We're just so glad you're here. Um, we've been in this series explaining really why and targeting why this is a place you can belong before you believe. And it's because we're in the family of God. This whole summer, we're really looking at what, what does the family of God look like? How can we join it? How can we build it together? Um, and the family of God's an inclusive family. It brings people in. The family of God is a, um, it's, it's a, a unlikely family of all kinds of people with all kinds of background that many times the world would look at and say, how are these, these people even together? It's an unlikely family that God brings together. It's a Jesus-centered family. We're becoming more like Jesus. He's the center. He's what, what the standard is. We're becoming like him. And then because of that, it's a transforming family. Like we're changing from the inside out. Slowly but surely, God is changing us. Some of us not as fast as we'd like or wish, but God is working on us. And I love that about this community. And because it's inclusive, it's a place you can belong even before or as you believe. Now, um... Last week, uh, we, we started talking about how this is a gifted family, a family that serves one another. How many of you guys know that when you grow up in a family, uh, that, that you learn how to serve uh, the family and serve with the family? Any of you guys do that here? No? Maybe a few. One, one family. That's great. Uh, in my family, they would give us tasks to help us grow, to learn how to be responsible, to learn, um, I think most importantly, what our gifts are. And how, uh, how I'm wired and how, how God has uniquely made each one of the uh, members of the family the way they are. And, uh, you know, no, one, no, no two people are alike. Everyone is unique. And God wants to use us in his family. And it's wonderful, like, when kids are, sm- are smaller, you give them smaller responsibility. And as they grow, they want more. Like, my daughter loves... She actually is like highly responsible. She's the eldest. And she loves even teaching her little two-year-old brother or almost two-year-old how to do things. And, and she just loves it. And, um, and it, there's, you're, you give people dignity. You give them um, purpose. You give uh, family members ability to grow and become who they were born to be when we, do, when we have relationship and responsibility. And so today, just like last week, we're talking about the responsibility in the family, but this is such a wonderful responsibility, which is really what are your gifts? What are your talents? But um, last week, we, we, we talked about uh, a question. A question that came up was, was really simple but hard, but why do we blame uh, the most important people in our life um, for our exhaustion and our frustration and maybe just some of the, like, the struggles that we're having in life. Because if we're family, why do we do that? And a lot of times it comes back to this thing about priority. How many of you guys were here last week or a few of you guys here last week? So I'll just, I'm just gonna like, I'm not gonna just cover things and, and do a review that, that won't uh, challenge or help us. I really wanna lay a foundation for today. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this. Um, but that question, why do we blame the people we love most? What we say is the biggest priority. Last week, we looked at this story where there's like this father with two sons. It's a family. Jesus told the story about family to capture uh, some of the realities that we might struggle with, but also the possibilities that are before us. And he said this father had two sons, went to the one son and said, the first son and said, hey, would you, would you work out in the field, out in the, out in the vineyard for me? And the first son's like, nope, you've always asked me, I'm always working, nope, I got other things to do. But then as like the guilt of like, ah, oh, but I can't do this to dad, and 
the, the honor and the responsibility set in, he ended up going out in the field and he went and worked for the father. Then the father went to the, the second son. He, he goes and asks him the same question. Would you work out in the vineyard for me? Would you do the family work? Would you work with me? And uh, the son says, oh, totally, dad. I'll be there. I got it. You, it will be great. I'm going to be there. Some of you guys are looking around because you've got friends or family member like this. And he said, yeah, sure, I'll be there. And then did not show up. Just peaced out and never went to work. And Jesus asked this question to the crowd. He said, so which one did the father's will? And the, the answer is obvious. The one who might have said no at first, but then went out. And one of the most important things, it's not the only thing in this parable, but one of the most important things that, that I think we can understand from this parable is that there is a difference often between what we say is important to us and what we do as important. There can be a difference between what we say are our priorities, what our words say our priorities are, and what our actions say our priorities are. And last week we talked about the gap in the middle. You guys remember this? The gap in the middle. And uh, I didn't want to take a moment to just talk about that. Um, what, what, what ends up happening in the, with the, what, what the second son shows us is that like, can you imagine the father having a follow-up conversation with the son that said, yeah, I'll be out there, and then didn't show up. And the father comes to him and says, why weren't you out there? And the, that, that son, that younger or second son saying, well, dad, I had this, I had that, I had other priorities. That's why I went and acted over here. Or like, dad, like you're, I'm exhausted with you. Why do you keep asking me for this? I got other things to do. I got, I got other friends to be with. Um, and you could see him being frustrated with his dad. Like, you're always asking me, why are you always like this? And blaming his father for asking him to prioritize the family. And isn't it true that it, like in our lives, it, it can be so easy to like, let's say a spouse, to blame a spouse who's needing maybe 10, 15 minutes of our time to connect or talk about something really important. And we would say our spouse is really important if you have a spouse. If you have a future spouse, you might want to say they will be important to you. But the spouse is important, their priority. And, 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 and what often happens in our day and age is like we have, we're so busy and our actual priorities start to take over what we do. And we're like, man, I'm, I'm busy and you're exhausting me and I'm frustrated. And can, I'm, I'm trying to take care of the family. I'm trying to do all these things and I'm just exhausted. Can you leave me alone? And what really is happening is like there's 40 hours going to work. There's 10 hours or more going to hobbies and other things. And we're saying, like, I'm giving 50 to 60 hours to this other stuff, and I can't even give you 10 or 15 minutes. And it reveals what's really going on in our hearts, that there's this gap between what we say and what we do. There's a, the, the, the problem is a divided soul. With our kids, the kids need our attention, and we, but we're working, and we got hobbies, and we got things to do, and I, I don't have time, and you're exhausting me, and we're frustrated with them. We might even, we might even snap at our kids the ones who we'd say are the most important and they just want a little bit of our time and we can't give it. Or I've even seen Christians that, that would say the family of God's really important and they might serve a half an hour, or an hour, maybe nothing, but they'll serve like a little bit their church family, maybe an hour a week, which is maybe four hours a month. But in their, in their, in their life, did you know the average? Some people average up to three hours of screen time a day and we would say like, oh, but I can't give four hours a month or one hour a week to my, my, my church faith family. It's so easy to have this gap. And what it reveals is there's a heart problem because if you took away the spouse, you took away the kids, you took away the church, the thing that we blame, like that you're exhausting me, I'm burnt out, I'm frustrated, you take those things away, would your life really be any less exhausting, burnout, and frustrating? 
the things that you're frustrated with. And when I look at the world, I would say, no, the problem isn't these things that are important. The problem is our heart. We're so distracted. The pressures of the now and the urgency, all those pressures begin to tell us what our priorities are. So what I want to ask, just for a brief moment, is uh, as, a, as a, a church family, and we're doing this a little bit more because I figured, hey, we're in a, we're in a family series. Let's be the church family. The, the church isn't primarily an, orga- an organization. It's a family. And so what I'd like to do is uh, maybe with someone near you that you maybe don't know that well and maybe break out of spouse and friend groups just to talk to someone, but what pressure pulls you from your actual priorities? What's the biggest pressure in your life that pulls you from your, your priorities? Okay, ready, go. Talk with somebody. All right, what'd we learn? What'd we learn? When I was walking around, one person said, uh, money? Did anybody, does money ever have a pressure on your life? How many of you guys have money as a, it can be a pressure? Oh, one or two of us, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Uh, there was someone from the first uh, service that said uh, the expectations of people, not wanting to fail people, can pull them out of their priorities. Um, what else? Do, what, what did you guys learn? We can take a few from the, from the audience. What, what did we learn? Yeah. Someone that we were talking to said comfort, like staying inside comfort. Comfort. Like, oh, I have my comfort spot, and like, I don't want to get out of my comfort but you might have some priorities that put, how many of you guys have little priorities that run around the house, perhaps, <laughs> that have pressure that come along with it? There are, pri- see, priorities, when we let the priorities set the pressure, it's different than like all the other pressures setting our priority. This is really good. What, what else? Health. Health? Is that, yeah, like health? Like there can be such a push that we spend all of our time in health and worried about health and, uh, you know, like the... Anybody else have a little bit of a hypochondriac uh, approach to health like me, like germaphobe? Yes, right there. Yeah, overcommitting. Why? Let's get at the heart of that. Why would you, Why would you struggle with overcommitting? That's good. So fear of missing out, FOMO. Can anybody relate to what you just said? FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, and so that can become the pressure. I heard someone say, like, I can, get, I can come to church, or I can be reading a book, and I can be like in this building, and I'm like all jacked up and excited, and then you know, we're all excited, and when I, when I open the doors and I walk out, all the weight of the world and the pressure hits me and pulls me from some of the things I've decided to do and be. Man, these things, can, these things can have us. The pressure can begin to set the priority. But the question is, how do we shrink the gap between what we, uh, what we do and what we say as important? How do we learn to let the priorities set the pressure? Because there, pre- there is pressure that comes with the real priorities. If you have a family, if you, if you love God, like there's new things that come along with God and, it's, and there's weight, and there's pressure. But a life that prioritizes the priorities doesn't have that... Um, I feel like that, that there's less of the blame game, blaming other people for our divided hearts, our distracted hearts. We have souls that are so fragmented. There's so many distractions. 
Can I give you guys just a tool that's helped me? It's very practical. I think uh, Stephen Covey and there's been some other leaders I, I know that have written on this, but it's such a helpful tool. Last week, uh, we actually had a tool in the, in the bulletin or in the program, and you, you feel free to use it. We might have some extras. It's online. But basically, you list your priorities. You list what the most important things are from one to whatever you think are important. And then you begin to track where your time is. How much time are you giving in the week toward your pri- these priorities? How much time in the month is going toward those? And then maybe you can make, start to make some shifts if you need to. So it's very practical. But another practical thing I'm just going to give you before jumping into the giftedness of God's family is this. I hope it's helpful. It's been helpful for me. But it's four buckets that we look at. It's learning the difference between what's urgent and important. You guys know the difference between urgency and importance? Like urgency, it's like the pressure of the now. It's nowness, if I could use that word. Like it's got to happen now. That pressure, that urgency. And then importance is like assigning value. It's saying this is a treasure. I see this as valuable. Now, um, urgency and importance. There are, is a bucket we could call not important and not urgent. And we can spend a lot of time on this bucket. Can you agree? What things might fall in this bucket? TV, yeah, that could, some of you guys are like, no, that is very important, that is super important, not important and not urgent, what else? What's that? What he said. Uh, Cell phones, is that what someone said? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 absolutely. What else? Fishing. Fishing. Again, there's someone here who's like, I don't know, I'm going to have to argue with you. What else? Social media, social media, but it's always calling to us, isn't it? Uh, Not important and not urgent. All of us can probably think of things that we spend hours that might not be that important or that urgent, but we give priority to. Now let's go to the other bucket and just look at that real quick. Uh, Not important, but urgent. How how many of you guys have a bucket in your life that uh, you have things that are uh, not very important when you look at them in the grand scheme, like not a ton of value, but they're always urgent. What are those things? I, what's that work email? Your, your boss better not be here. No. <laughs> yeah, like work emails, like things we can never, it's always urgent. I've always got to be on. What else? What else? Say that again. Cleaning. Cleaning. Clean. Someone in the last group said, it said laundry. <laughs> And I just imagine like this huge pile of laundry just building up at their house. It's in their mind. They're like, it's so, it's so urgent, but it's not important. Uh, checklists. Yeah. How many of you guys are checklist people? Oh, man. You spouses better watch out or friends better watch out. They got a list for you. Um, is my wife here? No, she's, <clears throat> she's not in the service. Um, so those things can start to creep in because it's urgent. How about, how about uh, our phones, like calls that we get? Like, oh, I got a text, I got a phone call. And sometimes things can come in, we're like, we treat it as it's so urgent, like we're in the middle of a conversation, someone's like, yeah, and then, you know, right before the dog died, and you're like, just a second, second. <laughs> oh, it's just, it was just an update, sorry. Go ahead, what were you saying about your dog? Do, don't we do that? I mean, I wouldn't, but you probably would. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you get texts, phone calls, and it's like, can we put down things that are urgent but not important? Can we, can we give them less priority? Go to the next bucket. <clears throat> important, 
but not urgent. Important, but not urgent. What falls in that bucket? <clears throat> Golf. <laughs> Golf. Important, but not urgent. Someone's got to work on their game. I, I, I thought Dan was going to say that. What's that? Paying the bills. Yes, they're important but not urgent until they become urgent when someone calls you <laughs> saying they're important. Yeah. Making the call. And, and how about some of you love? You know, a lot of, I'm glad you brought this up, relationships often fall in this bucket. That it's important but not urgent. Uh, my visit to go see grandma and gram, grandpa. It's important but there's other things that are more urgent. Um, my, my, bro- my brother, my sister, your, your good friends. Isn't it easy to put people in that important? You're very important, but not as urgent. And sometimes we need to put a little bit more urgency on those things that are important. Would you agree? Um, but this is, this is an important bucket. Um, another one that, that we might not treat as urgent, but is vi- maybe has a little bit more urgency and it's very important, is reconciling or restoring a broken relationship. Like it's just is one phone call, but we, we won't pick up the phone and call them. We'll call all, all kinds of other things. We'll text all kinds of other people, but we don't make that one that actually is really important. It needs to be restored. Let's go to the next bucket. Important and urgent. What falls in this bucket? Going to the bathroom. Going to the bathroom, yeah. Some of you guys right now, you're like, I got to go. I mean, I got to go. Important and urgent. What, what falls in that? Say that again. Health. health. Yeah. There could, like, health could be important and there's moments where urgency comes up. Right? Uh, health isn't ever as urgent until it's urgent. You know, and all of a sudden you have a, a real issue. What else? Eating. Eating. <laughs> important and urgent. That's actually pretty good. People are like, I'm stoked. We'll, get to, we'll talk about food a little bit in a little bit. Any? What's that? Sharing, Sharing your faith. Yeah, sharing who you are. What are the important and urgent things in your, in your life? A lot of times these are more results-oriented things with work or with family. We've got to get this done. It is really important. We've got to hit this date. Uh, got to do this. Got to do that. Got to go here. Got to go there. And, it, and, and what I want to encourage you is to spend more of your time prioritizing the important and urgent. And if you could back up one, to important but not urgent. If you're spending time in relationships, you're spending time on those things that are both important and urgent, the other things will, will, will take care of themselves. I find in my life that they find a way of getting taken care of. But when I, when I prioritize those other things, these things get left behind. And this, my friends, is one way of helping sh- shrink the gap in our lives. Amen? All right, I hope that was uh, encouraging to you. I want to jump into... Uh, the concept and the reality that we, um, that the family of God is a gifted family. It's a gifted family. Now, um, the primary verse I want to look at, it's really simple, it's small, but it packs a punch because it's so connected to who we are and, and even the story of the Bible, the story of Scripture. First uh, Peter 4, uh, verse 10, it says this, Just as each one has received a gift... Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. It's 1 Peter 4.10. Just as each one has received a gift, 
use it to serve others. So uh, you might want, if you have notes, you can, you can write this down. God's family receive, give, and manage the gift are the gifts of the Father. That God's family receive, give, and manage the gifts of the Father. And um, I, we're going to be going into three conversations. One of them is going to be left for next week. Uh, but we're going to be looking at three key conversations I think a father and a mother should have with their kids. I think that our Heavenly Father has with us. And so I want to encourage us to bring God into the equation, our faith into the equation on what is most important and how, and, and how we're wired. Um, I've noticed that so many times people don't, we live in a world that's so fast-paced, we live in a world where people have been beat down by reality, that they don't realize the gifts that they have in their life, the gifts that they've been given. And so the first thing, the first conversation I want to talk about is this conversation. Have you received the gifts I have given you? That's the conversation I think our Heavenly Father wants to have with us. Have you received the gifts that I have given you? Um, and the focus point here is uh, the first part of First Peter. Each one has received a, a gift. How many of you guys know that you have gifts given to you from God? Talents, strengths, passions, these are God's gifts. And when they can be unlocked, new passion and energy and vitality and purpose, I think, begin to ignite our lives. And so many times people are, there's this gap in their life between what they say is important, what's actually important, and they're just going through the motions or, or the pressure's leading them. And, and when the pressure's leading them, rather than the priorities, they're not unlocking their gifts. And they're not unlocking the gifts of other people. Um, we have to discover what our gifts are. Uh, I couldn't remember earlier, but I think it was Michael, not my brother. I think Michael Rab, our worship pastor, introduced me to the taco truck or the burrito bus in Puyallup. How many of you guys have heard of this place? Right now, it's moving to a new location. It's going to have its own like restaurant. It's amazing. Uh, if you have not been there, let me tell you about it. Uh, Michael came to me and was like, hey, there's this, there's this taco truck, this burrito bus. It's incredible. It, it'll, it'll change your life. It's insane. That's how I knew it was Michael. I can remember because he used the word insane. And it'll change your life. And I was like, well, tell me about this. Because with Mike, he, he's got a lot of things that will change your life. And he goes... <laughs> He goes, man, the, the, the tacos are incredible, the burritos are incredible, but the breakfast burritos are amazing. I was like, well, where is this? He's like, yeah, it's off Meridian. It's at this gas station. I was like, gas station? Like, it's at a gas station? He's like, in a bus. Like, there's lots of buses on Meridian. So like, which one? So you can't miss it. It's just like, it's permanently there. It's this bus in this gas station. And uh, as he's explaining, I was like, so which gas station? He's like, well, there's a, there's a coffee shop. At the time, it wasn't like the most reputable coffee shop. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was like, there's nothing that's like appealing about this place to me at all. I'm going to go to a place, a gas station with this coffee place, and, and it's in a bus, and, and, and I'm supposed to trust the food is good. He's like, you just got to come experience. And so he, I was like, all right, let's go check this out. So he took me to the, to the taco bus, the burrito uh, bus. And we went in. I remember I looked around and it was just like, I was like, I don't know if I want to order food here. And I went in to the bus and then the smell of, of amazingness hit me. Like just deliciosity. Is that a word? It was incredible. I walked in, uh, went down the aisle and there's all these people ordering. And Mike ordered me. He's like, you got to the first thing you got to get is the breakfast burrito. 
And I, we ordered it, it came out, and it was wrapped in foil. And I peeled the foil off. This whole process was just like this discovery process. You had to peel the, the foil off of everything, right? You're at this gas station, you're in this bus, and I peel this thing back, and I take the first bite. Oh, if I could take you there. <laughs> it was, there was like salsa, there was, um, I mean, it was like fresh onions and tomatoes and cilantro. And, um, it had, uh, oh man, it had ham. I had ham and bacon. He had chorizo. I just wanted those two. It had, um, oh, the hash browns were incredible. Uh, the cheese that they used was amazing. It was just like perfect, you know, that perfect molten cheese where it's just like, oh, it all comes together. It was so incredible, you guys. It was a treasure. It was a gift from God at that moment. <laughs> so many people in life, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, are sitting, that are, they, they have treasure and they have burrito, burritos of the soul. <laughs> Gifts that God has given them and they are unaware of them. They have them, but they haven't received them. What, is this, what does this, this verse say? Each one has received a gift. Are we aware of the gifts in us and around us? Are you aware of the giftedness of people in and around your life? It's so important that we become aware. I mean, when, when people become aware of their gifts, like life changes, like we change, new purpose comes in. And, and we have to become aware of these things. Do we see the burrito of the soul in other people? And do we even know what our gifts are, what our strengths are? I, um, each one of us has received a gift. Um, I'm colorblind. Do you guys, some of you guys know this. Uh, some of you guys make fun of this. And I think it's like the one disability that people are allowed to make fun of, <laughs> apparently. Um, so I get made fun of all the time. They're like, hey, George, what color is this? And I don't know. And I'm like, um, and uh, I, I went to school one day. It was a Friday. I was on the football team, and you know you had to wear like a dress shirt and tie, and uh, on a Friday for game day. And I, I went to school, and I, right before I left the house, I was like, "Mom, how do I look?" And mom kind of looked at me. She's like, "You look great, sweetie. You look amazing." And then she sent me out. So I got to school. I was feeling really good. I was on the varsity team. I had my nice dress shirt on and my tie. And as I started going around, there were kids that were like like pointing at me and laughing. How many of you guys went to public school? Oh, there's a, I thought most of you were homeschoolers. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and there's some that are like, hey, no, like it's, it's all good. All that education's good, no matter where you went. But in public school, when kids cover their mouth and point at you and start laughing, it is a terrible sign for your social status. Like social status immediately goes down. I'm like, what are people laughing at? I have kids across the way, even the nerds are pointing at me and laughing. I'm like, what is going on? And I had that one friend who's like, all, has the gift of complete and utter honesty and will tell you what you want to hear or what you don't want to hear no matter what. And uh, he comes up to me. He's like, dude, why are you wearing that pink shirt? It is so pink. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're wearing a pink shirt. I'm like, no, this is white. He's like, it's pink. And I went through the rest of the day ridiculed made fun of, laughed at by every kid, every class. Even my coach was like, hey, bed lion, that's what they, come up to the front. Look at what he's wearing. Everybody, look at how excited he is for the game because I was wearing this bright pink. And back then when I was going to school, bright pink shirts, dress shirts were not as popular as in vogue as they are today. And um, I remember coming home and be like, mom, mom, 
you betrayed me. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why did you tell me I was wearing a pink shirt? She's like, you know, I thought it was kind of weird that you were wearing it, kind of different, but you looked great, sweetie. <laughs> Some of us are blind to our strengths. Like, have you ever been around someone who's blind to their weaknesses? They don't like, they don't know how bad their breath is. They don't know how mean they can be, how pushy they can be. They, like, they don't know that they always miss this one thing. They, they never shut the cupboards. They, you know, like what is, we all have blind spots, but we are blind not only to our weaknesses, but to our strengths. We're blind to them. Uh, and I, here's, here's, four, here's four quick reasons for our strength or our gift blindedness, where we can bl- be blind to our own gifts. The first one is just a general unawareness. If I were to ask you, what are your gifts? Some of you guys would be like, I don't know. Like, what are my gifts? You haven't thought about it. You haven't put much thought into it. Or you've lived in a family or a life where, where, where people don't compliment or encourage you with your strengths. You don't hear it very much or you don't believe it very much. I don't know. The second one, the second reason we have strength blindness or gift blindness is we, we see our strengths as very ordinary. Uh, I thought everybody can think this way or I thought everybody can do this way. I thought everybody, because it doesn't seem special to you. You look at other people and you're like, man, look at that artist, artistic ability, that musical ability. Look at that achievement ability. Like I wish so badly that I had it. And you can see gifted in others before you see it in yourself. Is anybody in this bucket? It's easier to see the gifts of other people before you see it in yourself. Um, you know, I had a friend who could figure out the speed of traffic by hearing a rock in a, in a tire. He could figure out how fast miles per hour a car went by listening. There's a few physics nerds here that are like nodding their heads. They're like, yes, yes, I can do this too. Like, and I remember talking with him. He's like, yeah, that car is going about 16 and a half miles an hour. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you know, you, know, you, heard, you heard the, the, the rock in it. I was like, no. He's like, yeah, doesn't everybody do it? I was like, no one does this. No one can figure out how fast a car is going. Oh, are you kidding me? And like, he, he, he just thought everybody else could do it. And sometimes there's people who are great with computers, great with people, great with things, and they don't even realize it's a gift because it's so natural for them. They don't see it. The third one is overuse. Sometimes people can be blind to their gifts because of overuse. Too much of a good thing. Uh, so this could be someone uh, who is... Uh, so curious, they become nosy. Curiosity is a good gift, but they can become kind of nosy a little bit. Any of you guys have people like that in your life? Look at them right now. Shame them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, how about um, people who are really hopeful? They're always hopeful. Every, like, the sun will come out tomorrow, and they kind of have that. It, they can be so hopeful. There's nothing bad in the world. They don't ever. They don't acknowledge anything that's tough and di- difficult. And the, the other people in their life are like, "Come on, you're acting like a Pollyanna." Like there are some hard things and bad things in life. And, and they can be so hopeful. And that hope is a good gift, but it can be a little too much at, at times for people. And you can, maybe you've been told that like, it's, it's a weakness. When actually, maybe it's just a strength that's just been turned up a little bit too loud. Like the honesty friend, you know, like you're wearing a pink shirt, your breath smells terrible, I hate you right now, or whatever their honesty is. And, and their honesty is just turned up maybe to 11. It maybe needs to be turned down a little bit. Um, or there's the overly friendly friend, like they just met you and they're like, man, I love you. Can we just, we, can we be best friends? Can we, when can we hang out again? We do? And they just want to hang out and there's like that puppy that I just want to be with you and you're like, we just met like five minutes ago. And it's like that friendliness and hospitality is a good gift. It just needs to be what? Turned down a little bit. But that can blind us to our strengths because maybe we just have heard from other people that, well, 
it's a weakness, when it's a strength. The fourth one is, is we live in a world of deconstruction where we, we're taught often to, to put our eyes on our own securities and our own shortcomings, not our gifts and not our strengths. And we look at other people, we see their, their shortcomings and we see the problems before we see the, the good things, the possibilities rather, in, rather than the problems. And, and, and that's a huge issue. We live in a culture that loves to deconstruct things without reconstruction. And so it blinds us to the good, to our gifts. Um, how do you see your gifts? How are you gifted? Let me, let me just take you through a series of questions. I just want you to be thinking for yourself, not for the person you brought or the person you're with, but for yourself, if you were to answer this question, what are your, what's your top strength, your top two strengths? Uh, think about this for a moment. Think about a time where you were at your best. Maybe it was coming into a crisis where everything's blowing up and you came in and you were like, oh, I got it. Like it went good. And you were able to bring the solution. Or maybe just a time in your life where, where you just discovered something about yourself and you were, you were doing something, you were thinking something and just came alive. Where you were at your best, what happened? What were you good at? What passions came out of it? Like what, what made you excited? What energized you? Have you noticed that people, when they find their purpose, their passion, the things they're good at, like passion comes out? Energy comes out of them? Um, the other question is, um, what have other people said about you in those moments in your life? What have other people said about you in those moments in your life? What have they said about you? What did they see in you? I had a friend you know, tell me, you know, hey, have you thought about doing minute, you, some ministry, you should come intern for us. And, you know, later, he, you know, I saw, I saw real perseverance in you and real compassion and a high pain tolerance. <laughs> I was like, why do I need that? Now I know. Um, <laughs> what strengths come out in your life on a normal day? Take time to reflect. What patterns emerge in your life? What are you good at? What have other people noticed you're good at? Um... Could you just for a moment, like with someone next to you, you can stay seated, you don't have to stand up for this one, but with someone real close to you, just say, what, what, have, what have other people said or noticed are, are your top strengths, or top two strengths? Would you just, with the person next to you, just share that uh, together just for a moment. Go, go for it right now. What are your strengths, your top strengths? switch and let the other person share if you haven't take another minute
How many of you guys have someone sitting next to you that has a strength, a gift? Yeah? Okay, we've got a few gifted people here. How many of you guys have somebody next to you that has a strength, a gift? Every single one of us. And we can be so blind to not only our gifts, but to others. Some, have you noticed that sometimes it's easier to spot gifts in other people before you see it in yourself? Like, I have friends that are just amazingly gifted. Like, uh, my friend Sam, he runs our AV, lights AV, sound, all that stuff in here. He came over to my house and helped us, like, put in a sound system and all kinds of stuff. He, do, he has, like, it's almost two brains in his head or something. It's crazy. He's just really gifted with that. But that's not all of who he is, but that's one of his gifts that just comes out so strong. He uses it for the Lord in here, and I just, I'm really grateful for him. Sam's here with his family. Thank you, guys. Uh, my friend Mike, I was spending time with Mike re- recently, and he, he's a builder. He's this, like, compassionate builder, which, you know, in my experience, you don't always have the two mixed together. The guy can build anything. He's an artist, a craftsman with his, what he builds, and homes, and, and he, he's just so, he did, nothing freaks him out. He's even killed. He doesn't get too up, too down, and, and at the same time, he, he loves to share that with people. He has a really compassionate heart. Like, he's so gifted. We need to be able to see those things in other people. Now, your gifts that you are given, the gifts that you share to the other people have noticed, like those gifts can be used anywhere in your life. They can be used with your family. They can be used at your work. They can be used in your church family. They can be used in the world, in situations that you've never even come into. There's, you will be able to use those gifts. And there's other gifts that you might not even be aware of that are dormant or you're just unaware of that the more you step into serving and using them, giving what God has given you, you'll, you'll get to know them better and use them better. Um, this is the second conversation that I think is so important, and I'm going to close with this concept, this idea. Um, the second conversation with our Heavenly Father is this, will you love and serve with me and the family? Will you love uh, and serve with me and the family? 1 Peter 4.10 says, just as each one has received a gift, every person in here has a gift. You guys just talked about it. You are gifted by God. Multiple gifts. Incredible gifts. It says, you have, each one has received a gift. Use it to serve others. Not to protect. Not to just serve yourself. Not to just serve the people that you want to serve. But to serve others others to serve everyone. Galatians 6.10 says, whenever we have the opportunity, those who follow Jesus, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Like if I loved other people in the world around me, but I didn't love and serve my family, like I wouldn't be taking care of my home base. And it's not, and sometimes people in Christians be like, then we just need to serve the family. We just need to have our kind of our enclave and our, you know, create a little bomb shelter mentality and, and serve our family and serve our church only. No, 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 no. Jesus calls us to serve both, to serve our family and the world, people around us. And any healthy family takes care of its family, but they, they, they have vocation in the world. They find a way of making the world a better place with their gifts and talents and and all those things, it's so important. Now, we live in a world where people want to compare, they want to contrast, they want to compete, they want to uh, uh, fight over the, their gifts and, and get what they can, and they're afraid. And, and, and this verse in First Peter teaches us, receive the gifts that God has given you and give them to the world. Use them to serve others. So I wanted to ask you a simple question. Where in this season of your life 
could you use the gifts that God has given, the ones that you're aware of, to serve your families, your world, and especially today I want to put a challenge, how could you use it to serve your church family, your family of faith? The father asked his sons, would you serve with me? to serve the family of faith. And we know that when you serve church family, it actually is serving out beyond that because we're an inclusive family. We serve the world. So it, it spills out into our life. Um, but, if, but if you have gifts to give, what would a church un- that unlocks and activates its gifts, what would that look like to the world? What would that look like? We're about to move to a new place step by step. We're going to be renting from them. It's going to be a new building. And I think we've got a lot of new company that's going to come, a lot of new faces we're going to see. And I want to be ready for that company. I want to be ready as a church where we're serving with our gifts and we're helping, we're loving. We create this inclusive family, gifted family together. And I want to be ready for it. So in this season, what would, what would it look like? A few questions. You know, how have you used your, past, your strengths in the past? How could you use them today? What's preventing you from using your gifts to serve your family, your work, and especially your, your church family? What are, the, what are the impacts of not using your gift to serve other people? What does that withhold from the world around you? What does that withhold from the people you love? And then what kind of impact would using your gifts have on your families, your work, your world, and your church family? Friends, I want to be ready for the company that's coming. I want to be a healthy family that works together to serve. Next week, we're going to be talking about the third conversation, which is what have you done with the time, the talent, and the treasure I've given you? And how can we help unlock the gifts of the other people in our family? How can we unlock their callings, their gifts, their abilities as a community? What would that look like? So come back next week for that. And this week, the challenge is what is your gift? And how could you use it to serve? In fact, I'm going to give you a challenge on, your, on the Connect card. Would you be willing to just write what your top two gifts are? And maybe some ways you'd like to serve the church family. It's not locking you into anything. But I would be curious to know what kind of giftedness we have, what kind of heart and passion we have in our church to serve each other and serve our world. Amen? Let's uh, pray and, and worship uh, Jesus together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this room filled with people that are gifted, that you have given gifts. Would they receive the gifts you've given? Would they see them, be aware of them? And God, would they use these gifts? Would they give them away? Would they serve people, Lord? Would they serve people? I had a friend who said, when we, if we're a candle, when we light someone else's candle, like, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't diminish the brightness of our life. It just creates more brightness, God. We want to give what you have given. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.